0: Grind for the love of the game. You know my ticks are scorching hot. I grind for the love of the game. Time to turn those brackets in, whether they're finished or not.
1: Oof. Man, they're just smoother each week. I thought
0: that one was like pretty mid, as the kids are saying. But uh but yeah, mid major. Mid major, that was a pun as no, well. That's true.
2: Yeah.
1: This <laughs> is <laughs> mid-range jumper like CJ McCollum over there. Well but What's good? What's happening? This is an exciting time of year. We're ready oh. to be in full basketball overload right now. I, I mean, totally. you have the fantasy basketball playoffs. You got the NBA heating up in general. And then um, if you happen to be knocked out of your league early or you're, you're kind of on the outside, here's this awesome kind of consolation prize or distraction coming per- perfectly timed your direction, which is the NCAA tournament. It's a great time to be a Hoops fan.
0: It's an insane time to be a hoops fan, but what what a what a great time to be alive! Yeah, I, I um, absolutely. <laughs> there's a lot of cramming that goes on, so um, yeah, my brackets remain un- unfilled. Uh, I got some of my picks. I did watch some videos last night and and did some like gut instinct picks. I did make a six way first round parlay uh, last night, so Ooh. so I've done some done some research, but. Um, but yeah, what what we wanted to do today, just to give you a quick rundown of the pod, is because, uh, like Nate mentioned, tis the season. Uh, I wanted to to take this opportunity to kind of look at this year's NCAA tournament through the lens of the fantasy player, kind of through the lens of the fantasy scout. So um, we're actually going to have our first guest on today. Um, it's my it's my longtime buddy Caden Mildren, and he is a huge um, college basketball fan. I would call him an expert. I don't know anybody that can like just quickly give me a breakdown um, on college basketball and be able to compare it to something in the NBA. So a lot of the um, – our very first spot, actually, when we did the rookie projections, uh, a lot of that came out of conversations I had with this guy. Um, so I thought it would be really appropriate to bring him on this time of year. Super cool guy. Um, he's um, getting his Ph.D. in some fancy stuff. Um rhetoric and composition. So um I almost said that uh, competition. Maybe it doesn't pick us apart.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Well, lots pick. Lots of pick. Exactly. It is lots pick. Um so yeah, we're gonna go through some players to watch in this year's tournament um with the fantasy eye with the with a fantasy lens on, some players that we think could their stock could rise and, and that could translate to fantasy success as rookies and down the road, and some players that might be a bit fools goldy. Uh, but first, we wanted to hit you all with some news and notes, just some general NBA stuff, because um, we're deadlocked into the fantasy playoffs right now. Um, it's yeah, personally, it's I'm in three fantasy playoff matchups right now, so, um, so Nate, I'll defer to you uh, to kick us off. What, what's on your mind?
1: Well, I kind of really was hoping to kind of pick your brain a little bit as far as uh, I mean, as you mentioned, we're in these playoffs and and. And it, it doesn't matter how good your team is. It only matters if you win that week, you know, it doesn't matter what your team looks like the following week. Uh, but so it was kind of wanted to take a quick look at this week and then, and then an eye ahead towards the following week. I know a lot of people have buys or maybe your maybe your matchups are already kind of secured. So you're, you're already kind of leaning towards the week 22 at this point. Um, but real quickly on week 21, just a quick touch on that. Um, Tonight is Wednesday night so you're probably here in this Thursday um uh, so there, that means there's four four games left or four days left in this fantasy week and so looking at that schedule there is there's five teams that only have one game the rest of the way um and it seems you know in three of these teams were were they only had two games this entire week so you probably already made whatever cuts where you were going to make with those guys um uh, you know as far as you, you made a decision whether to roster a player for that whole week or or to cut them on a Monday or, or last Sunday or whatever it was. Um, but, but, you know, those five teams are the, the Knicks, the Hornets, the Jazz, the Cavs and the Mavs. Um, the two teams that that didn't have the two game schedule are the Cavs and the Mavs. Um, I, I, I'm assuming that you're in the same thought where if you, you're cutting every single Mav except for the big two. Uh, and as far as the Cavs go, you're, you're cutting everybody except for the big four.
0: I mean, with, there's some caveats, honestly, if I'm in the fantasy final, I'm cutting Luka Doncic. Uh, there's, you know, I, hopefully you did that already and you were able to get that production in through that spot. Uh, if you don't have, he, he became IL eligible. Um, I think yesterday um, you could have had him in an IL plus spot, but if you, know, if you didn't have IL plus, uh, one game max that week for him. Um, I think getting three games into that spot would have been you know, more advantageous than waiting on one potential game. So uh, my my regards, my deepest sympathies to Luca Doncic's fantasy managers this time of year because um, yeah, that's a tough time for for him to be being ruled out kind of game to game. Kyrie the same story. He he missed a day with a, with the toe uh, issue. Run more game this week. Um, Tim Hardaway Jr. was ruled out today. So Mavericks have been interesting as far as um, you know, waiver wire right now. Um, they got Jalen Hardy, the rookie point guard, and Josh Green, the Aussie wingman, swingman, wingman, Mm -hmm. um, who I think are are just real tasty one game streamers. Yes, is that so? I actually streamed Josh Green in the spot today and really love that production. Um, so again, there's nothing to bank on. It's just a one-game streamer. Um, yeah, but that's uh it's a confusing time to navigate. Um, and then the Cavs, they have one game left. Um, they've had two already this week. So um, any of your – well, then again, uh, Karis LeVert actually has been producing. He produced off the bench today. Yeah, he has. With Donovan Mitchell back. So, um, yeah, one, one I want to mention to you that's, that's been tough personally for me, and maybe there's someone else listening to this, uh, the Atlanta Hawks. They they have a difficult schedule where their first game was Monday. They don't play again until Friday. Um. Hmm. And so um, uh, Murray, um, DeJounte Murray, he just slaughtered slaughtered whoever had him on Monday. Pretty poor performance, 5-for-15 shooting, um, just high turnovers. um, He had more turnovers than field goals. And then you got to wait for the rest of the week to get another game out of him. So I consider cutting him. um, And maybe in some 10-team leagues or deeper spots, people just said, let's move on from this. I need games. But that's just – I give you that example, a personal example to say – uh, it, it's time to be ruthless as hell.
1: Yeah, it kind of feels like you're a little bit on vacation, where you, you or the rest of the season you're pretty frugal. Uh, you know, you were you you were just ordering your water with dinner, but now you're on vacation. If you want, you want three appetizers, do it. If you want to cut uh, Anthony Edwards or uh, uh, Pascal Siakam, because you don't need the categories that week. You should do it. I mean, it, it, it doesn't matter how great your team is, just whether you make it to the next week, um, to moving ahead to the, to week 22, um, there's three teams that have two week schedules. And so I was curious to kind of get your input here. Um, I mean, two games in the playoffs is, is brutal. Um, on some of those teams, you know, the Pistons, yeah. Cut everybody, cut everybody, stream them if you have to, um, but the heat or were an interesting one so I uh so I think so obviously you're holding Jimmy you're holding bam my question to you was what about Tyler hero uh he's averaging 19 five and a half four and a half he's the number 59th player in, in per game value uh, with two games is he somebody that you're holding on to or or are you are you willing to cut bait and and look someplace else just for the volume
0: I think in that situation it depends you know, where, where you're at in your in your matchup that week and when the Heat's first game is. So if the Heat's first game isn't until Wednesday, and I don't have that in front of me, um, you know, you might have to cut pre- preemptively just to get max games in. You really have to look at what's the max output you can get from Tyler Hero in two games. And then, you know, could you get two more games in just with the one roster move? I think he's cuttable. Um, I think you can find somebody who's going to get you those sort of stats off the wire. Um, so yeah, with a two-game week, you got to consider Tyler Hero to be um, quite expendable in a certain, you know, in many situations. Don't get attached to the name yeah. right now. You know it's, 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 it's funny. I, I had somebody mention to me this is why people like to play roto, rotisserie style leagues because you're just playing to you know, accrue a certain amount of stats, so you don't have to end up with all these randoms on your team at the end that doesn't look like anything resembling the team that got you there. And you know I'm t- I'm torn on that. I, you know I think it's it's kind of reflects how the NBA is right now, um, where you get a lot of you know the complexion of teams changing. But um, yeah, I think t- Tyler Hero is expendable just because you know that's kind of how it is. Just don't don't get too attached to to the name, get attached to um, the volume.
1: Right. Yeah, I think that's a really good, really good observation there. Um, the last theme I wanted to touch on before we, we move on to some college basketball previews is uh, is the Nuggets, who also have a two game week. Um, they're they're looking at a Wednesday, Saturday schedule. Ooh, uh, wow. So obviously you have to you, you're car- I mean, you're carrying Jokic. He's he's the MVP but I'm wondering about everybody else on their team. And so I'm going to kind of start with the lowest hanging fruit and move upwards and kind of uh, uh, I'm interested to hear your, your thumbs up, thumbs down on cuts. Um, so I'll start with the number 44 player in all of fantasy this season. Catavius Caldwell Pope.
0: Uh, he's been trending down of late. You can still get some blocks and steals in there, but he's a cut. Don't wait till Wednesday to see if you can get two steals and a block.
1: Yeah, I think I agree. I mean, his, his stocks are great, but you can, you can find – you can replace that with four games pretty easily.
0: Whatever Spurs wing that you barely heard of is getting 25 minutes before Wednesday, grab him. That
1: Five yeah. minutes before game time, three minutes. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's, he's going to probably blow out a knee or be sat with a, a calf tenderness before that. It's so impressive. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, so next guy moving moving our way up the, the chain, of, chain of command here is uh, Air Gordon. Uh, averaging 15, five, two and a half, one and a half stocks.
0: You know what I would do? I would almost treat my first reaction is to say would treat it like streaming. I would want to look at who they have on Wednesday. I don't know if you have that in front of you, um, who the Nuggets are playing and look I'm up in Nug- Washington on, on Wednesday and Washington just is very exploitable for, for a bigs. So I think that um, in that particular matchup, you know, you could be looking at a high-end Aaron Gordon game. So take a look. Count up how many games that you would have without making moves. Take a look at your opponent once you know. See if you can afford to wait. But I would lean towards get that Washington game and go from there.
1: Yeah, that seems, seems smart. Um, so next one up, up the court. I'm just, And I guess I'm interested to hear these, not necessarily as a Denver Nuggets deep dive, but just more as a... Uh, exercise in, in your fantasy matchup in general, because you're going to have these different windows that open up and close throughout any given week where you, where a guy has, has a, you know, has has a large period of time where he doesn't have games. And so just kind of curious to hear how ruthless you, you personally would be on a fantasy matchup. So the next one is uh, Magaporta Porter jr. I mean, he's, that's some pretty strong production. I mean, 18 and a half, 4.7, uh, 4.3, 1.3, high volume threes, everything we know about Maga Porter that is there to like, what say you?
0: He's been, he's really been stroking it. Um, You would, you would want to keep him if you can, but again, come up with your own calculation for games that week and, you know, do something you're comfortable with uh, on your own individual team based on your situation. But again, anyone can get it. Anyone can get it uh, with a two game week anyone can get the ax. If you happen to be incredibly strong, and free throw percentage and three pointers and you're killing them and you look at your opponent and that's not their strength anyways, maybe grab some guy who's going to help you in categories that you need to compete against that week. You're only worried about the one opponent. Mm. So if you really need somebody who's going to get you stocks and you can grab someone off the wire who has two games and three nights, you're like a Monday, Wednesday, and you just don't need what MPJ gives you. You don't need them.
1: That's a that's a great point. My favorite thing to do in a fantasy matchup is to go through, and uh, you've made fun of this in the past. It, it kind of uh, uh, speaks to my like antiquated pen and paper system, but I but I'll go through and I'll come up with my own metrics of a prediction based off of what my odds are in winning that category. I, I don't do it during the season because there's so much flexibility and people injuries, and you know you, you're you're not kind of that all in. But when it comes to a playoff matchup. You know, if I think like, hey, I think I have a, I got an 85, 90% chance of winning points. I just am not even caring about, you know, I'll cut a Bradley Beal for, uh, an Akanwu or, or, you know, or or whoever it is, just because I'm like, if if he scores 45 points for me, it literally doesn't, it doesn't matter. Uh, I'm only focused on these two categories, which I think are going to be the competitive categories, um, but yeah, so then the last guy who we move on just to kind of completely beat this horse dead <laughs> is uh uh is Jamal Murray. Uh Jamal Murray is a pretty elite player. Is, is he now does he is he the type of guy that also would fall on the potential chopping block, or is he kind of above that?
0: I don't think you should cut kind him of, unless you have another Canadian on your roster. You're <laughs> up your head. Like Dylan Brooks. <laughs> yeah, or I mean, if you're hanging on to Wigo. Uh again, it just depends. Um when to assess and i really do respect your old school i remember when i first saw that you come up with these like shoddy algorithms on a piece of paper like (laughs) like at our shared place of employment at the winery back in the day and i'd see this i'd be like this guy's a mad mad scientist he's a crazy bastard but i like it like and so if you if you crunch your own numbers and and again you you don't need what murray murray does a lot of everything so i mean i I would imagine even in a two-game week Um, you're probably going to want to keep Murray, but it's up to you. Um, And again, yeah, anyone can get it. So um, because, yeah, I mean, if if he's been probable the last couple of games, he's been getting P tags. So if he did happen to miss that Wednesday game, you're screwed. That sucks. That sucks that you didn't start getting production from that spot uh, before he was ruled out Wednesday. And, you know, that's the dice, the dice roll you take. But um, I'd lean towards keeping him, but it just depends on your situation and how you assess it going on. Yeah, that's that it seems like really a smart analysis. That's what I try to give. Um, and despite the fact <laughs> that I've been a game time decision for a couple of days, I will tell the audience I'm sucking on a cough drop. I'm sorry if you can hear that. Been sick for about three to four days. We had to postpone today. So thank you, Natron Clean, and thank you hey, to, our, to even, our guests. Even
1: even with a even with a one game <laughs> week, uh, we we definitely had to keep you as a must must keep. So there was there was not a thought about any cuts.
0: You've never had your finger just on that that trigger, just like. Ready to hit, but you're like, I can't quite cut.
1: It's I. It's actually I have it's preset. I can't cut, so my can't, can't cut list. So I'm to have to call the commissioner and uh, who's our who, who probably is our social media manager, uh, at, at late, But uh, you know who knows. I mean, I'm not quite sure how to pull that one off.
0: Quick, quick league settings corner before we get ready to bring in our, our guest and get into the college hoops. Do you think we should do away with the can't cut list altogether? Uh, what's why do we have to have this? Like, if somebody decides that they're suicide bombing their entire roster in the middle of a season, which I have seen once, I pissed that guy off so much one time in the chat of a keeper of a football keeper league. He dropped his entire roster, <laughs> and then he asked, and he threatened my life. I never met him. He threatened to kill me. Um, and Now we're wow. tight. We're so, wow.
1: So, so, so how so can she, you invoke that much rage in a public league?
0: Uh, it was. Uh, it was. Um, uh, it's a dynasty sleeper uh, NFL league. So I I had enraged a man. I got under his skin. Uh, shout out to you, Mr. Lockhart. Um, we're we're tight now. Um, so just never give him inside secrets when you're working on trades with him. I digress. I bring this up to say, unless if you suicide bomb your entire roster, when has it ever been a problem to let somebody decide to cut a player? Have you ever seen that be a problem? Have you ever been like, especially in, in our home leagues and leagues where we know the people. I get in a public league, like, i actually did know a guy who was in a league where this guy was just trolling the league and he would drop, literally he dropped Nikola Jokic mm-hmm. and like it went a hundred and then he would drop the next player. And I guess that's what it's for. But you know, I know that in our league of record, you did drop Kevin Durant for Odin Pien, RIP, uh, oh. Man, what a what a lame duck to see that guy
1: is. Which so. is <laughs> we'll wait waiting to be picked off. <laughs> I, did Ow, not, I did not grow and right. just shade right now. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it is. <laughs> it is nice, at least that Yahoo, that Yahoo, I don't know how it is in other leagues, allows the commissioner to have that ability because there is those unique c- circumstances where especially, I mean, uh, as you're waiting for injury, information for kind of waiting for some clarity, you might think like, well, I don't have the time to wait for this clarity before, you know, I I know they're going to reevaluate this in a week, but all reports that come out say that he's, you know, this is like a eight to 10 week injury and and like, I need to win right now yeah, I think I think maybe you're right. like have a little more flexibility on can't cut. But at least it is nice. I mean, we've never been in this position before, but the commissioner does have the ability to override that. and uh, and that was a really helpful tool in this case when with Kevin Durant. so overall, as a
0: longstanding commissioner, you would prefer it to be a setting, but something you can override rather than not exist. the can't cut to not exist
1: yeah i think it's it's i guess you it's one of those things where you kind of have to set rules for the lowest common denominator and uh you know and then high competitive leagues are are frustrated about things but really you're playing for entry-level players and right. kind of to to kind of to spread some interest in the game and you know and i and i could see if it's your first time kind of figuring that out a little bit so, so um uh, I don't have a huge problem with it, but it, it is nice that you're able to override it.
0: I saw Josh Lloyd tweet out today that you know why we have can't cut lists still, and I was like, well, you've never been in a in a league with some of the sourpusses that I played with. <laughs> so, you just <laughs> never know when someone's ready to just torpedo their whole roster. But uh, all right, well, good news and notes. Uh, so we are going to get ready to to bring in our first uh, first guest in college basketball ex- expert Caden. and then there were three what's up kaden it's nice to have you welcome to projecting the jump
2: yeah thanks for having me uh, yeah. happy to be here excited excited to make my uh debut appearance on the show do you mean that which i guess assumes i'm assuming i'm getting a second appearance someday but uh yeah happy to be here i do mean that i'm always happy to talk called and I don't get to see you enough.
0: That's very nice to say. It, tur- it turns out so. So Caden and Natron uh, have never met. Um, just before uh, we uh, hit record here, um, found out that we all know each other through the same former employer. And there's actually one great man by the name of Richard Bachelor. <laughs> we all affectionately refer to him as Dick Batch. He is a legend. <laughs> He's a legendary Australian New Zealand winemaker. He's- yeah,
2: um, <laughs> yeah. This will feature important in my story here in a moment.
0: It's a anyway. So quick, so quick little rundown. So we had this. We worked at this winery in a uh, rural Washington state. Beautiful location, destination winery. So they had big events. Um, it was so. Kate and I worked in the tasting room. Nate worked in production. That's where we. That's where the seeds of this podcast were born. But just um, so, just a who, just, just a really crazy place to work. It felt like your soul was dying at times, but at the same time, it was like. I don't know. There was like it was like its own thing, its own time and place. So, anyways, yeah. enter enter Richard Bachelor. What can you say about this man
2: before we get back in the hoops? Um, I had spent some formative years uh, you know, pissing off bosses and was like, I don't I don't think I want to piss off this guy. So I just stayed out of his way. I worked there for like three, three and a half years, um, sometimes seasonally, and I just I never said a word to the man, not once. And then he finds out it's my last day at work before going to grad school. I was going to move across the country to uh, yeah, the gorgeous Central Indiana to go to school at Purdue University,
0: which really confused people, did it now They're like, "What are you talking about, dude?" Yeah,
2: I would always be like Purdue. He finds out it's my last day before I move, or be- yeah, before I move. Um, and so he comes to me. I'm, I'm serving wine at the bar, and he kind of just like points at me and like gestures for me to follow him, and he's like. I'm going to do a really bad accent here. We're like, heard it's your la- I'm not even going to try. I heard it's your last job. Uh, or on, last go. day on the job. And so he pulls me into his office and he just pours me like the stiffest vodka drink I've ever had in my life.
0: Vodka? I thought we were going somewhere else here. Yeah, no, it was sorry. vodka.
2: Yeah. It's sleazy. Yeah, no, he had had a little mini fridge that had beers and a couple different kinds of liquor. Did he have an an outfit
0: for you to try on, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: No, I think he was like, this guy's going into grad school in the humanities. He's probably a vodka guy. Everything, everywhere, all at once, man.
0: Speaking of basketball, this is a fantasy basketball and basketball in general podcast. So so let's get into the content. Do it. So like I mentioned up top, we want to look at the NCAA tournament with a bit of a scouting lens you know with a bit of an eye for file some names away you know it just makes it more fun to watch a lot of us are kind of jumping in just right now we haven't watched any games all year and we want to know what to look for you know who are some players that we're going to hear a lot about who are some players that maybe are flying under the radar that we're going to want to pay attention to and who are some players that we're going to want to be able to like bring up first when the buzz starts buzzing later and we're like like dude i told you like look out for that guy so i think just to give you an idea of what would we'll be running through with caden um a very obvious player last year that just kind of had their stock shoot up during the tournament would be the number one overall pick who at that time wasn't projected to be the number one overall pick and that's Pablo by um so yeah you know in redraft this year in fantasy uh his shooting has been rough uh he's a high volume go-to scorer that's you know getting all the on the job training he can handle um long term you know i would expect the field goals free throws to stabilize a bit and kind of be more like a Paul Pierce level. Um but you know, his college shooting splits, 47.8 field goals, 33.8 three point percentage and 73% from the line this year with the Magic, shooting is down, 42.5. Threes is down but the volume is way up. The threes are just under 30%, the free throws are a little bit up around around 75. And you'll see a thread throughout. I'm going to mention some shooting splits for guys as ways to to kind of go back and say, okay, like could we have seen that maybe this wasn't um, the player that we thought was coming out of the tournament. But yeah, just like there's going to be a Pablo Bencaro this year. There's going to be somebody that like is just going to take the the stage and just be like, yo, like here I am. Keep an eye on me and redraft. And obviously in in dynasty leagues, um, a lot of these guys, if not everyone will be relevant, but but yeah, let's um, let's get into some names to watch in the tournament. Um, Kaden, who are some players, you know, big and small that you think that we should be watching out um, that are going to have NBA futures in your opinion?
2: Yeah, good question. Um, before I get into that, I just want to say I I wanted to offer another example of how the NCAA tournament can impact draft stock and, and draftability, and we were talking about this earlier in the week. And I was trying to think of good examples, good recent examples, so they'd be fresh in, in the minds of listeners. And I thought about uh, in, in 2021, uh, and I don't want to overstate the importance of the March Madness tournament. It plays a role um, in, in draft stock, but so does the NBA Combine and so many other things. Right. So in part, the March Madness tournament. Uh, uh, led to this situation where all season long in the 2020-2021 season, uh, Davion Mitchell and uh, Cam Thomas were sort of perceived as like mid-first round uh, picks. Um, They had different types of tournaments. Cam Thomas uh, scored a lot of points, but was kind of inefficient and erratic. Davion Mitchell played really well and led Baylor to a national title. That was two years ago,
0: 2021,
2: right? Yeah, two years ago. Uh, And so, uh, again, they were both like, Perceived as mid first round fringe, uh, uh, fringe um, lottery picks, and they had the different tournaments. Davion, Davion Mitchell ends up going ninth overall and Cam Thomas fell all the way back to 27. So they ended up being taken 18 spots apart from one another. And, uh, you know, the tourney played some role in that. So I think that that sets up sort of the importance of what we're getting into Uh, and I think it's a demonstration of of what the tournament can mean on an individual player's scale. Yeah, we'll go ahead and get started. I have, you asked me for five, I actually have six, but we can do the sixth one really quickly later on. Um, Players whose draft stock might change depending on what happens in the the tournament. Um, And I have these in sort of descending order from the draft. So uh, the first player I have is probably is likely to be the, the first player taken of these players on the list. And then it, it descends downward that way. Um, that first player is Brandon Miller, a six, nine lengthy wing for Alabama. Um, I think he could be a really great three and D guy uh, in the NBA. Um, he has helped lead Alabama through controversy to a number one overall seed. Uh, he's a really, really, really good shooter. He shoots over 42.8 or over 42% from three on seven attempts a game. Um, okay. there, there are questions. And by the way, seven attempts a game in college is different than seven attempts a game. Oh in NBA. God. That's all. Yeah. It's, crap, that's all. Um, uh, yeah. And so I've seen him on lists anywhere between two and five in the draft, uh, the most commonly at three or four. Um he just recently, in one mock draft that I looked at, surpassed Scoot Henderson of uh, GM or uh, the G League Ignite uh, for the two spot. But I've only seen that one time. He's mostly falling to three or four. But I think if he has a really excellent tournament um, and answers some questions that that some you know NBA GMs have about him, that is possible. He could surpass Scoot Henderson and take the second overall spot. As we know, nobody's going to end up at one in this tournament. Nobody's jumping Victor Wimbanyama.
0: So currently, it's funny you mentioned that. So the Ringer NBA Draft Guide, which I follow, very I love. It's an incredible product. Um, huge shout out to Kevin O'Connor there. Uh, so the Ringer NBA Draft Guide does have Brandon Miller number two now, um, oh, passing Scoot Henderson. Yeah. So the range of comps you're getting there um, is shades of Paul George all the way to Trey Murphy the third. So just yep. think of that type of rangey wing with that kind of skill set. I think for fantasy, Brandon Miller is a redraft player. Regardless of landing spot, obviously, landing spot could matter. Um, but he, seemed, he kind of profiles like a high volume scorer, doesn't he? You know, he's, yeah. Who's efficient? Who's surprisingly efficient?
2: Yeah. There are questions about his shot creation and, like, okay. Okay. just offensive creation in general. Um, it's improved over the course of the season. But, yeah, I mean – to be a 6'9", lengthy, athletic, pretty good defensive wing who can shoot 42% on high volume from three, uh, I think he projects to be a guy who's going to get drafted by a bad team, and they're going to give him probably a bunch of playing time and and freedom to do it as as he will. And like I, I, I defer to you guys when it comes to the fantasy stuff because you know that much better than I do. But uh, just, just seeing what he does in college, and I, I think it'll translate. In fact, I think he is sort of uh, just a better version of Jabari Smith. Okay.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <clears throat> yeah, he's he's definitely somebody that's it's been it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, with all this uh, the controversy surrounding him. I mean, he's obviously. Uh, as you mentioned, he's kind of working on his facilitation and uh, ironically, that's exactly what he is in so much in trouble for is being yeah, yeah. too good of a facilitator. <laughs> um, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm curious to see how far they go in the draft. I uh, spoiler alert I, without knowing anything about the tournament. I, I took them to win at all. Uh, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see, I'm curious to watch him in these more of these high pressure games.
2: Yeah. I've, I fill out three tournaments and I, they're winning one of them for me. Uh, oh, that's good stuff um also I, f- I feel like i should point this out nate do you know the name of the man that was his former is his former teammate that he gave the gun to who would shooting yeah,
1: it, it's, it's it's uh darius miles
2: yeah so i think we should probably just retire that name
0: yeah if your last if your kid yeah. if your last name is miles don't name your kid darius because they're gonna be a knucklehead
1: at best <laughs> no, that's true yeah yeah former blazer legend uh darius miles
2: trust yeah. me i'm a blazers fan too so uh, yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> what an era okay so brandon yeah. miller uh, everybody will be eyes on him uh, who do you got next as far as players to keep an eye on that's draft stocks could change during this tournament
2: believe it or not it's a white guy okay uh, i've got and i've got uh six seven sharpshooter from Kansas grady dick
0: wait quick pause um Kate and i'll have to check in with Nate i don't know
2: if you're allowed to talk about a white
0: player on your first appearance is he allowed, is this permittable? <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh we talked about we've talked about Mason Plumley quite a bit on the pod. So uh it oh, seems re- be,
2: the precedent has been set. Okay, fair enough. Recently, we'll recently left-handed Mason Plumley. Oh, um yeah, Grady Dick. <laughs> um I've seen him uh anywhere from like six to like twelve. So there's a range there. It's, it's gonna depend on need. But he has a, like a tangible, deliverable skill that is valuable to NBA teams, and that's that he's really good at shooting three pointers. Oh, he played for? He played Kansas. Yeah, the Jayhawk. Um, I was talking to Jamie the other day, and I was saying my comp for Grady Dick is like Kevin Herter. Um, he's they, they're a similar build. They're really good three point shooters, and then just every once in a while, they just they just bam one on someone, you he's know, on, yeah. they just remind you that, oh yeah, I'm white and, and I can shoot threes, but I'm still one of the best athletes in the world. Right, right. Um, uh, and he, he does it every once in a while. So he is, a, he's a freshman. He's he's a 40% three point shooter on six attempts a game. Uh, he has, you know, I think he has some defensive and playmaking upside uh, that, you know, there are moments that look promising. Um, I think he's going to, be, he's kind of a plug and play guy. Like he can sort of fit on any team because he's got size and he's like a really good three point shooter. So he can go out and be a catch and shoot three point shooter, you know, all, uh, you know, JJ Redick or something. Um, and so I, I think he can kind of end up anywhere. So if, if some team really values that they might take him as early as like six, but if he goes in like, you know, doesn't have a very good shooting performance in, in the tournament. Maybe he falls a little bit. I think he'd be really great on a team like uh, the Indiana Pacers.
0: Yep. Uh, t- Halliburton is yep. drawing
2: a lot of attention kicking out. And now you have, you know, they still have Buddy Healed, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, they
2: do. I Hield, you got Benedict Matherin, and now you got Grady Dick. Like, it's a great thing. a lot of sharpshooters on the perimeter.
0: And the fact that – and on brand for Nate on the fact that Grady Dick looks like an insurance salesman already at age 19 definitely helps with the Pacers thing. Um, so I did a little recon on Grady Dick. For fantasy, especially in redraft, he's the sort of player – it's very landing spot dependent. I think he can become a three-point streamer, maybe somebody that does stick on your roster – um, and then, you know, long-term, I, I do think his upside is like Kevin Herter with less cold streaks um, as a fantasy player.
1: Yeah, that type of player is really interesting, I, I'm curious to see. I mean, you you mentioned at the beginning uh, kind of the Cam Thomas, uh, you referenced him, and he's a, he's a great scorer who I think, in, as far as fantasy goes, would have lit the world on fire if he would have landed in Detroit or Houston. Um, but then when he falls to a stacked team, you know all of those attributes that he brings you know we're hardly reaping the benefits of as a manager but a guy who could be who can fit onto any team even a really quality team um kind of in place some minutes from from night one is really uh, intriguing for a redraft league i mean we saw that with herb jones uh you know obviously he brought brings the defensive element of it but just a guy who's able to play consistent minutes and you know and if he if you're mentioning i mean if he's able to shoot that well, then, then he can kind of play for any team.
0: Is he going to be get better than uh, Kyle Singer? Remember the great Kyle Singer, Kevin? Singler. Yeah. Yeah. However you pronounce that fool's name. Yeah. yeah Kyle I Singler. Yeah. Is he a great or white, by the f- way?
2: G- Kyle Singler is absolutely a great white. Can we
0: please introduce the, the quickly we have to introduce to our audience, the concept you and I came up with a couple years years uh, ago about the great white and what makes it so unique to college basketball. Go.
2: So to me, uh, a great white is a white basketball player who yeah you, Now you're really you're really forcing me to get really into the race stuff here let's it's do that. this it's a white basketball player who i would say has to play at least three seasons in college basketball um makes is is sort of essential and integral to telling the story of college basketball um Plays a ton of games. Is an excellent, excellent, excellent college basketball player whose skill set just doesn't quite translate to a ton of success in the NBA.
0: It's one of the most fascinating parts of college basketball when you start to get into it. Yeah. And we have you got one every year. I mean, Luca Garza. Yeah, Luca Garza. He, he was the national player of the year two years ago for the for Iowa. Is that right?
2: Yep, Iowa Hawkeyes. Yep.
0: Which is you know, and he is now irrelevant in the NBA. He's floating around. On second, you know, he's been on the like two contracts
2: business. and stuff. Yeah, and he has those really strange lips, like he, you know, was sucking off the Kool Aid Man, um, or fucking, like he had some great Kool Aid. He he killed the Blazers one game this season, though. I don't remember who he was playing for, but he, I I, I want to say it was Memphis, and he just like was, like Brandon Clark was hurt or something, and he had like twenty five. It was so embarrassing.
0: So now's a nice time to interject before we get back into who is the great white of this tournament. Who is the great white? We're going to look back and be like, is it the Swan song of drew Timmy or is there somebody else to be
2: looking at? It's absolutely drew Timmy. It couldn't be anybody else. Uh, Drew Timmy just broke Gonzaga's all time scoring record. He's taken them to a national title game. He has, you know, the chance to do something splashy in this tournament again. Um, and and he's just such a personality yeah. that people are going to remember him. He's got the mustache. He he wears the headband. He's from Texas, and like he has like a very Texas feel about him, which is sort of odd and you know Spokane, Washington. But like, and and Gonzaga plays through it. Um, uh, he had an opportunity to enter the draft last season, and he almost did, and he, he decided to stay and like break some records, take another shot at you know another Final Four. And it's 100% true to me is the the, uh, the great white of this March Madness tournament. So there
0: you have it, PTJ listeners. The, the great white is a term you can throw around to describe these kind of archaic basketball players who their skills don't translate to the NBA, but we get to watch this living and breathing like history just repeat itself through college basketball, which I think is pretty incredible. Um, and I think
2: a lot of the times from now on, it's going to be big men who just have traditional well, big, big man skill sets. Um, and I'll say sort of the outlier is the one that you posted on Twitter uh, is Adam Morrison, because generally these guys aren't getting drafted early. They might go undrafted. Like there's the, hey. there's the understanding from from management in the NBA that these guys are great college basketball players. but so They're not going to do anything in the NBA, whereas Adam Morrison was drafted third overall. I think maybe. By the greatest player to ever be drafted. That's because once
0: Michael Jordan is the GM, all bets are off the table. Great whites can go through it overall. It's all off the table.
2: (laughs) I think that's another example of placement not working. I mean, he got drafted by the expansion Bobcats team. And... He was coached by Larry Brown, who was like a defensive-minded guy, won a championship in, in Detroit. And like Adam Morrison just had no development. He didn't get really get a chance to play. And then he got traded to the Lakers, and he just sat on the bench, won a couple championships, and then his career was over.
0: I just got an email from our social media manager, the great cheeseburger Randy Jokic, that said that our airtime for Adam Morrison is, is over, with that we're not we're unable to speak about Adam Morrison any further. Yeah, that's true. So as much <laughs> as I love to talk about Adam Morrison – um, do you got anything on Keontae Ingram? Um, this is a player that's uh, you know projected to go around seventh, eighth pick as well. I've seen him compared to Bradley Beal. I'm highly intrigued. Um, or excuse me, Keontae George rather. Keontae Ingram yeah. a running back for the Cardinals.
2: Yeah, I was wondering what was going on there. I, I was questioning my sanity. Um, Too much fantasy stuff in my head. Yeah, Keontae George, six four combo guard. Keontae George is strong. Um, he's a strong guard. Um, and simply too strong for most college defenders. He plays hard, he's a good defender. There's a little well, bit of Davion De- Mitchell in him. Will he play foe? He played he again, he plays he's a Baylor bear. Okay, gotcha. Uh, Baylor. He, he can score. Um, in fact, I, he averages a pretty good amount like 14, 15 points a game or so, which is pretty high in college basketball. Um, but he lacks consistency on his jump shots. Uh, he's his over his his overall field goal percentage is below 40. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is not good. Um, and yet he's sort of marketed as like a guy who can get buckets a little bit and says, so you when I, I don't understand the Bradley Beal comparison. I don't understand the other day, Jamie, you and I were talking and you mentioned uh, Markel Fultz. So unless they're talking about the way Markel Fultz shoots now and not in college, I don't really understand the comparison. Um, but he, he's a guard who finishes well through contact. Um, And while he shoots under 40% from the floor, he does shoot around 36% from three. So there's a foundation to build from there. There, There's a little bit of hope Um, to me. What I see when I watch Keontae George is much less Markel Fultz and it's much less. um, Who's the other person you said? Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal. I don't really understand those comparisons. What I see is almost like a hybrid of like Darren Williams Again, a a strong, stout guard. Okay. And uh, Drew Holiday. And I'm not saying he's going to be as good as either of those. I think he's skill set. yeah, Yeah. I think he's offensively less talented than Darren Williams, but I see that in his game. And then I think defensively, he's less dominant than Drew Holiday, but I do see that like toughness in his game. And so he falls somewhere in between those two in a certain way. He's mostly being seen on like the back end of the lottery, as far as projections go, like 10 through 13. But I think Baylor, you know, we saw this with Davion Mitchell, as we were just talking about a little bit ago, a really strong tournament performance could possibly see him play his way more into the mid lottery.
0: Quick bracket reveal corner. How far do you have the Baylor Golden Bears going? Oh, I would have
2: to look. Let me check. Do you guys want to chat about what I just said while I locate my my uh, bracket? Then, yeah, it, was,
1: uh, it, it is curious. I mean, those those uh, comps that you kind of gave, who who all have pretty good defensive chops. Uh, you know, everything I've kind of have heard about Baylor Bears, as far as their, um, I don't think they have any gold uh, in Waco and, or not. But um, <laughs> the is the is the defensive element of that team has kind of been lacking. And so I, I guess I've, I'm curious to, to hear, I mean, if, if, I mean, if the guys you're referencing are all pretty good defensive players, are the, are the Baylor bears bad on defense in spite of him, or is it, uh or he just has a lot of room to grow as well. I mean, it's kind of, you just see the outline of it, but not the actual,
2: um you know, production. Um. So, I have them, and it's what I'm looking at right now in the Elite Eight, losing to Alabama. Baylor plays with a lot of uh, intensity. Um, I I think that with the defensive stuff, and I know I threw out a name like Drew Holiday, but I just to me there's a like a strength, like he's physically strong for a guard, and he plays. With defensive intensity, I don't know that it, it he's going to be a great defender in the NBA. I, to, to use uh, Nate's uh, vernacular, I'll say, yeah, I see an outline. I see that this guy shows a lot of defensive upside and he's a high effort, strong player who I think is going to be a good NBA player that contributes to winning. I don't know how much of it is going to contribute to fantasy winning. You know what I like about him is that
0: his name is frenetically spelled. Keontae, spelled K-E-Y, like key. Key ante, yeah. Ante, And I That's appreciate it. that. That's a good time. Uh can we talk about any Murray's on this? Can we talk about Keegan Murray or are there any Murray's I can watch in this tournament? Because I'm a big Keegan Murray fan. And if there's any Murray talk that we could get into, that would be good for me.
2: Absolutely. Um, so for any uh you know casual NCAA fans who are bigger NBA fans, which sounds like it's the main demographic you guys Here, have. Yeah. Uh Chris Murray of the Iowa Hawkeyes is a, the tw- the identical twin brother of Sacramento Kings forward Keegan Murray. They're
0: twins. We lo- we love playing twins or brothers on this podcast.
2: Yeah. Or dating <laughs> or dating. Uh, sure. <laughs> we haven't done that twins one. Yet. Brothers are dating. It's sometimes hard to know. <laughs> uh, yeah. Chris Murray. He's a six, eight forward. Um, I think he's, he's having a really good season. And last season, It wasn't like he was bad or anything. He just like his numbers were small. And I think that that's an indication of what kind of player he is, is that Keegan Murray is more aggressive in all aspects of playing basketball than is Chris Murray. Um, And and he's not
0: that aggressive. He's not known for his uh, assertiveness on the court just yet. So that's a bit of a red flag to me. And I love the well,
2: Yeah. So, but he was in college.
0: Okay. Yeah. gotcha.
2: So that's my context. I mean, he's a, he's a rookie playing for a team that's doing really well. And De'Aaron Fox is the ball in his hand a lot of the time. So right. he takes a more reserved role. I think Chris Murray is going to have a very similar role to what Keegan Murray has in the NBA. And I think gotcha. he might just benefit from the success that his twin brother is, is, is um, enjoying and uh, that the Sacramento Kings are enjoying. So again, like the, I, I get people that ask like, they seem like really similar players, and obviously the exact same size and similar skill sets. Why is one being taken fourth and one being like a mid first round pick? And that's that's just part of it. Is he's 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 not as assertive as his brother was in college, which is not a bad thing. And what I mean to say is like he doesn't force the issue offensively. He lets the game. He plays within the within the natural flow of the game. Um, and I think what both Murray's have is that uh, they're both high iq basketball players they kind of just play the game the right way and there's a benefit to that that is is difficult to put into any sort of metric is this a
0: big 12 bias on your part just have to check for bias
2: yeah i the big 12 is my it's big 10 but yeah the big 10 is my is my favorite conference for college you got 12 you well, gotta get 12 bro we got 12 out here the big 12 actually only has 10 teams in it and the big 10 actually has 14 i hate that I hate that um, a
1: lot. Yeah, there's no counting. There's no counting in the central part of the country.
2: Yeah, no, the people here they're not too darn intelligent. That's um,
1: really rude, man. You should take so that
2: here, back. Here's here's a concern I have for Chris Murray, is because okay. I haven't watched a lot of Kings basketball, but my understanding I have,
0: so I can help. Them. Is that
2: is that Keegan Murray is a really efficient player who spreads the floor a bit and is like a, a he like a lot of what he's he, he's not creating a ton of offenses. He? He's more of like. No, uh, he,
0: he's within the uh, honestly he's been his minutes have been trending down in favor of Kessler Edwards because I think um, they're just looking for somebody who could fill a role right now and and you know he's he'll occasionally get a little you know get a little uh, jiggy with it Um not like Will Smith but uh you know yeah, not like, yeah. not like slapping Chris Rock or anything but like
2: so so one concern I have is he's that's taken, real analysis by the way he's taken a, a much bigger role this year and he's responded really well he's first team all Big Ten. You know, like, I, no critiques there. But uh, upon he has doubled his three point attempts from last season. So the volume has doubled and his percentage has dropped from 39 to 34. So it's a significant decrease. Conversely, when his brother Keegan Murray, the season prior, tripled his attempts from the season before that, he actually jumped from 30% to 40%. Wow. So. That, here's a there, there's a trending in fifteen percentage points between those, uh, in terms wow. of in terms of change. Um, the other thing is he's an older player. He's twenty two years old. As was his brother. Oh, his brother's a year was a year younger a year ago. Um, but yeah, so it's it's a little bit of an older player, and you're seeing a little bit of a decrease in three point percentage but maybe you can attribute that to the fact that his brother's not there anymore and he's taking more contested looks or whatever. And the game opens up a bit in the NBA and maybe you know, 34 is not such a bad percentage. Um, it's it's, you'd like it to be higher, but so there there's been that dip that, that has coincided with uh, a, a raise in a rise in volume. Gotcha.
0: Good stats, Mr. Mildred. I got to jump in quick question. then I got a comment and then we got to move on.
2: Yep. Sorry uh, how, if I'm being verbose. Oh, you're
0: good. Uh how far do you how long do you think folks will have to watch Chris Murray in the tournament? Uh meaning how far do you have Iowa going?
2: Well, they're they're uh in the in an 8-9 matchup with Auburn. Yeah, okay. Um so I have Iowa I think I might have it split in my different tournament brackets. Um, so not long.
0: So catch that first game. Well,
2: uh well they would have to play Houston in the second round if they no. win. And so just guess, enjoy the
0: first game, basically.
2: Yeah, enjoy the first game. Maybe you get a second, and but but then there are eight, nine, you know, uh, upsets over one seeds that happen. So like that's my thing is like if Chris Murray takes his team to the Sweet Sixteen, if he's able to like have a twenty-five point game against Houston and get a win, like that could see him oh, jump like I mean, seventeen yeah. to twelve, maybe. Like maybe people are like, oh, this guy's really capable.
0: That would be a palpable, uh, palpable jump. So just finishing up, Chris Murray. Uh, he's. I saw him going as high as 12. The Ringer has him going 20th. Um, shades of left-handed Keegan Murray, which seemed like an easy layoff comparison. <laughs> I also saw Otto Porter, which I think is a pretty good comp. Are we getting the Wizards gave him $100 auto Otto Porter, or he's floating around on the Magic's roster Otto Porter? Probably somewhere in the middle. Uh, but an interesting guy to keep an eye on for fantasy down the road because you know he's going to bring a trickle of defensive stats. Um, be able to hit some threes. And-
1: One question I do have. I mean, you, you bring you brought up the interesting question of uh, you know how far do you have Iowa going in in this player. One question I had that I, I'm really interested to to hear your kind of take on this is um, who is a player that we need to be looking at whose team isn't projected we're not we're not expecting their team to go on a deep run so we need to make sure that we circle that game you know that first round matchup or maybe that second round matchup and make it must see tv because i mean over the years we've had a few of these and you know and they've been uh you know the ones that jump to mind were you know we're Curry at Davidson We're these much, much, you know, have to watch games. Um, rant, Murray Murray state. State. Yeah. Murray state, obviously. Um, but you know, he's, and there's a few other of these guys that, that kind of come to mind, but I'm curious to see, you know, it, you know, obviously like, you know, a guy like maybe like Grady Dick or, you know, Brandon Miller, will we'll have ample opportunities to watch them, but, uh, but who, wh- which game should we, we should we be keeping a close eye on.
2: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I might say uh Nick Smith Jr. at Arkansas. Um, Ooh, okay, I love this. Combo guard, lots of flashes of like offensive brilliance, can be a little bit erratic or inefficient, but like a guy that you're willing that I think a lot of teams are if they if they want you know a playmaking scoring combo guard, probably a point guard in the NBA, um, they're keeping an eye on them. They're similarly either an eight or nine seed. I can't remember which, but they're playing in an eight-nine matchup. So it's kind of a 50, 50 shot that they win that game. And then maybe there's a slim chance, you know, a one out of five chance or something like that, that they're able to upset a one seed. I can't remember which one, which, which, uh, qua- uh quadrant they would be in, but playing I would.
1: Kansas, playing Kansas if they if they oh. were to, if they were to win their eight, nine matchup versus Illinois.
2: So, yeah, I, I would say Nick Smith jr. Go watch an Arkansas game because he might, he just might, you know, go for 32, you know, um, even in a loss, that would be fun. a
0: okay, quick yeah, question so do you Do you have anything on that U- UConn guard Jordan Hawkins? Because when I was really into college basketball, UConn was always relevant. My favorite game of all time was in nineteen ninety seven when Rip Hamilton's UConn. Huskies outlasted my Washington Huskies is one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Players yeah, see
2: needed at the end, man.
0: Players needed oxygen after that game, and it gives me chills thinking about it. But can you tell me anything about Jordan Hawkins? And is that five seed UConn team legit? And is
2: he a guy we need to make sure we're catching? The UConn team is absolutely legit. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, would they be playing TCU perhaps in the second round?
1: Sounds right. Uh, or is it St. Mary's? Oh. Mary's? Okay, there we go.
2: Um, I would be really excited about a UConn-St. Mary's matchup. And we're going to talk a little bit about St. Mary's here towards the end of the podcast. Uh, but um, Jordan Hawkins is a six foot five shooting guard who knocks down threes. He's averaging 60. He had a pretty quiet freshman season. He's averaging 16 a game. Uh, shooting the ball at 38% at, at around eight attempts a game, which as we've established, that's a high number for college basketball. Um, however, he's somewhat limited offensively. And to uh, give some insight into that, two-thirds of his shots are threes. So he's not creating a ton mm-hmm. of offense. Um, so he's, 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 he's sort of being seen right now where I'm seeing him in most mock drafts as an end-of-the-first-round kind of guy. But I think if they can have a run, if they have a Sweet Sixteen, Elite Eight run, and he can demonstrate playmaking ability in that run, it's still probably not going to be like NBA ready playmaking ability. But it shows up, it shows promise, um, and he can show up in some big wins. I think he could jump from being somebody who's more like being seen around like twenty five to twenty seven, and maybe move his way into the mid to later teens. That's a, that's really interesting. So
1: potentially, potentially somebody. If we're looking at for next season drafting that uh, not somebody to target in our in our drafts, but maybe to keep an eye on as as usage kind of uh, dictates then.
0: Yeah, what I saw as far as his um, comp range was anywhere from Rip Hamilton. Again, there's a school connection. Um, so that could have been a lazy one, to, to Max Struess, your boy, Max Struess. So, that, so that's a classic streamer. Um, so, you know, maybe as a rookie we're looking at somebody who can come in and get a little bit of scoring in the right role, but it's not going to stick on your roster all year. Uh, but that's quite the range for a prospect there.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, and you you and I talked about this, Jamie. Uh, uh, you know, somebody took took a, a shot way higher than what was expected on uh, Kevin Herter, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He got drafted, like, what, 19th number, overall? Number 19, yeah. He sort of seen as maybe more like late first, early second. And so if he has a good performance and a team just like really likes what they think they see in this young shooter who, you know, can maybe possibly end up developing some playmaking ability uh, that, you know, he, he, they could take a swing on him. Um, like I think it's not totally impossible that if he has a really good tournament, some team looks at him and sees shades of Jordan Poole.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. I got to say, like, I hope to see a a few games. I hope they're able to get to the sweet 16. I'm nostalgic for a little Yukon Huskies basketball and I'll take any Huskies in the tournament that I can get.
1: Uh, I'm a Huskies homer. So, you
0: know, there's a lot of names obviously to keep an eye on in the tournament. um, And there's going to be outcomes. We're not going to know like after the tournament, what kind of pros they're going to be necessarily. We can kind of project that and try to look at different profiles and different outlines of players Mm -hmm. But I've been thinking about it. So I I was going through different Final Four winners. And one of my all-time favorite um, college basketball, I don't want to say anomalies or just kind of like looking back on it at the time, everybody was like, oh, this guy's it. It In 1995, the Final Four was in Seattle, Washington, where I'm from. uh, And UCLA won the title that year. And there was a player named Ed O'Bannon. You guys remember he was an athletic wing. Um, He was just – he had the body of like – I don't know. Um, insert like at six foot nine athletic, wh- like he just looked the part. Um, I thought he was going to be a star. I mean, I was a kid, but um, I was a huge Ed Abandon fan. He was the ninth overall pick. Um, and he was out of the NBA within two years. Uh, that team, that UCL team, won the national title. Uh, it actually featured a prominent towel waiver by the name of Bob Myers, who uh, became the GM and president of the Golden State Warriors. But um, just, you know, some things you can't really profile. So he, he had a knee injury at one point during college. Um, and later when his career ended, he was, he was kind of going over it with a reporter. And he said it wasn't the injury. It was his confidence. He said, in the beginning of my career, I missed some shots, got pulled from games. It affected my defense. And I lost all my confidence. Um, and a teammate once said, about it, the great Armand Gilliam, uh, once said that he's a guy who just didn't find his niche in the NBA. He wasn't in the right situation to grow and develop. He never got the opportunity to prove what he could do. So basically he gets thrust into the, you know, the situation in the NBA right away where he's not, he's not producing. He loses his confidence. And all of a sudden, you know, he's uh, you know, he's washing cars or selling cars or whatever he was doing, uh, you know, within two years, it just goes to show that some of this stuff is in all it, it's, you know, he had all the measurables. He was the um, most outstanding player from the tournament Uh, His stats were great. His shooting percentages, he was 53.3% from the field. Um, So, you know, he, he looked the part and he just, he just didn't have the mental component. So I thought it was kind of interesting. Uh, Another player more recently that uh, was supposed to be a hit in the NBA um, was Jared Culver. Jared Culver was the big 10 player of the year at Texas tech. Uh, He was the sixth. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they are nice shorts. That's uh, yeah, they're, they're about it's a good an inch
1: or so shorter than the average player, and I've appreciated no, that true. about yeah. them. And so I've always rooted for him for that reason.
0: I think uh, I think Bob Bob Knight coached them for a minute back back into relevancy. Um, but yeah, he was the sixth overall pick uh, in, the, in the 2019 draft. Uh, he was immediately traded to the Timberwolves by the Suns for Dario Sarge and the 11th pick. But so this is kind of the stage. Uh, they, uh, Texas tech had just lost the first round of their conference tournament. Uh, they ended up a three seed in the NCAA tournament. They made it all the way to the title game and they lost to Virginia in overtime. Um, he had great, what I call popcorn numbers in the tournament, which was just 18.5 points, 6.8 rebounds, 4.2 dimes in six games. So that, yeah, that's pretty tempting. Um, but the red flag was, he was a God awful shooter. So in two seasons, uh, in college, he just never developed as a shooter. He didn't. You know, he was, he technically is athletic, but
2: he was um, a really good defensive player in college. Yeah. Um, you
0: know. And so, Kaden, I wanted to ask you this. I wanted to ask you. So, Jared Culver, he is. He, some of these players are just great college basketball players, and they're just missing a component. Is it? Is it? A, some? Is it always tangible? Something that we can detect, or just sometimes we're just they're just not going to translate for whatever reason, and we're just gonna we're just gonna miss that one.
2: I mean, I don't think it's a perfect science. Um, So there's no uh, equation you can plug in to do it. You have people who are really, really talented at scouting for anything from the eye test to all of these various metrics. But I think part of it is when you're taking guys early in a draft, and this is why we have so many busts, is – there's a lot of drafting teenagers based on perceived potential. And so you're taking a 19-year-old kid based on, like, let me give you for an example. Someone I thought sincerely was going to be a star in the NBA, and you guys can laugh at me, he was not, is Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Well, yeah, I mean, that was quite, yeah, like, was a consensus opinion. An over. incredibly athletic guy. Right and the the perception was like oh he's 19 we can help him develop his jump shot he's the most athletic player in this draft there's so much there to work from and it just didn't work out for whatever reason i don't know how much how many hours he spent at the gym there might be like a subjective personal issue there or it might just be like it just didn't didn't ever end up working out i think getting drafted by the bobcats is is not help, you know helpful in in it's not, not great for development. No, the box right. there's, there's landing the box. spots, there's culture. Wow. I think you know, something I feel really good about being a Blazers fan is like even if we're not ever going to like ascend to where I want us to, is like I think a huge part for why a guy like Anthony Simons, who's drafted like 24th overall is really good. is like, he's got a really, really good mentor in Damian Lillard. And he had a really good mentor in CJ McCollum for a long time. And that's why I feel good about Shaden Sharp developing. So I think there's, it's a confluence of so many things that go into whether, you know, a player turns out or not sometimes, you know, and and again, I'll, 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 I'll state it again. These guys getting drafted in the top 10 are being drafted on potential we see something in you that we hope we can develop and something will come from some of them have already very tangible things like it's talked about with grady dick right like it would be really surprising if he came to the nba and just like couldn't shoot threes because he's just already really good at it but then and i mentioned nick smith jr like he's a little bit erratic but he shows flashes of brilliance if he ends up in the right place he could become you know future all-star and if he ends up you know getting drafted somewhere else and go into strip clubs with James Harden. Maybe he won't, who knows? Uh, so I, I think there's, there's so much that goes into it that isn't just uh, individual basketball analysis. Um, I don't know if that's a No, that's, that's a really nice
0: overarching synopsis of what I was looking for. You know, I, it'll be interesting to revisit some of these players when they do have landing spots in the summer. Um, so this pod will be something that I'll use as, Uh, a springboard to come up with something else that we can talk about um, once we have more information. Um, But yeah, that's a, that's a really nice synopsis. And I, and I, I like the comparison. Ken Gilchrist, Jared Culver. Yeah. They kind of a little something in common in college their athletic ability, their defense um, can really um, mask some of the shooting deficiencies. And then the landing spot never helps. I mean, Jared Culver did have a young Andrew Wiggins to mentor him, and that didn't work out, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but yeah, so that's that's what I had, Kaden. I'll kick it back to you. I know you had kind of a, a quick hitting segment we wanted to to run through with us.
2: Yeah. So we've been talking about players, you know, to watch, you know, from a fantasy perspective where they might get drafted. But I wanted to just talk. College basketball should be appreciated for the sake of college basketball. And as somebody who's watching. Dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of college basketball games every year. I have five players who I'd like to offer uh, just to present to say, please watch at least one game for this, that, that this team, that this person is playing. These are guys I've specifically chosen who are probably never going to play a college basketball game again after the season and who are probably not going to have, any sort of real NBA career. I just want you, the listener, to go and appreciate these guys for what they are, because college basketball is fun, even if they're not going to end up being NBA stars. So, that's sort of the setup here. Um, and my number one, who is the only junior on the list, the rest are seniors, and so they they will they will not be playing college. Could this be Zach right? Eady, perchance? It's it is. It's a Mr. <laughs> Zach, Zachary Eady uh seven four big man boiler up. boiler up hammer down go ugly early uh uh seven foot four big man let, let me tell you i
0: let me tell you oh now he's into it
2: now he's into yeah. it. Well, i'm giving to my, my specific college stuff but i also attend purdue university and i walked in there's a target on campus last year like right after a disappointing uh march madness tournament where we made the sweet 16 and lost to um, Um, the St. Peter's Peacocks. Let's not talk about the Peacocks on
0: this podcast.
2: Well, I'm about to for the next guy, too. Um, uh, uh, It was, like, immediately after that happened, and it was, like, this was, like, a team that, like, everybody perceived as, like, the best Purdue team in a long time. And kind of a disappointing end to the season you even yeah. have that
0: euro trash guy with like the balding haircut
2: i sausage, sausage sausage Stef- ah, sasha stefanovich yep. thank you thank you yep yep Purdue's yep. <laughs> always got like one white sharpshooter who's like balding it was before it was uh sasha stefanovich it was dakota matthias anyway uh zach Eady, seven foot four just a mo- i was so anyway it was it was like a week after that and i after they got eliminated, and I walked into the Target on campus, and who else is there looking at what meat to buy than uh, one Zachary Edie? Oh. And if you've never, I'm a tall man, I'm six foot two. I'm certainly like in the upper echelon of like most people. You're pretty gangly. Yeah. You walk, you stand next to someone who's seven four. It's astonishing. Purdue plays through him entirely, pretty much every single possession is like, let's try to get Zach Edie the ball. You get at him, and and he's for being seven four, he's got surprisingly nimble feet. And a fun fact, the reason he does is because he's Canadian and he grew up playing mm. hockey. Thanks um, for that. Yeah, so he's he skates, he ice skates. Um, so go watch seven foot four big man Zach Edie, who's going to catch the ball on the paint. On the block, and uh, if he if he doesn't get doubled, he's gonna score. And if he does get doubled, he's gonna kick out. And Purdue's got a bunch of guys who can shoot, so it's it's a, it, that's a fun team. Quick question on
0: Edie: Do you think that he could find a team where he can carve out ten to twelve minutes to come and just beat up second units and give a team a little bit of an advantage to end quarters?
2: I I would like for that to be the case. I don't know. I'm I'm I don't pretend to be an NBA uh like. I don't. I don't pretend to have the knowledge of the way that NBA rosters get made. Do you think,
0: okay, I'll ask you this: Do you think that EDS game translates to the NBA the same, better, or worse as Luca Garza from I from a couple oh, years ago?
2: I think he's just. He, I'll go better. Good. Okay. Just, so, just because he's so massive, um, Luca Garza six ten. You know, like he's. They're probably similarly. You know. Uh, Struggle with like lateral quickness, but when you're six inches taller than Luca Garza, like there's an advantage there. So yeah, I'll move on to the next one. Go oh. watch Zach Heaney, Go watch Purdue. Maybe maybe you don't need to catch the first game, but I bet he's going to have like a 30 and 15 game. So maybe go watch that. Um Number two, Oscar Shibway. six nine, dominant power forward for Big Kentucky, Blue, baby.
0: Big Blue, baby.
2: Former national player of the year, who just so happens to be allergic to peacocks. Um, I would say if you miss watching Zach Randolph play in the NBA, go watch Oscar Sheeway. Go watch a Kentucky game. I don't, miss, uh, I don't miss that. You don't miss that?
0: I've seen a lot of
1: Sheepway, but uh, yeah. No, I mean, I do miss yeah, watching. There's, there's two or three people <laughs> out there. I'm sure that are raising their hands. So oh, I just...
2: man, I think Zach Randolph was so he was for, former Blazers legend. He's just like this big, like kind of slow guy who somehow was dominant and grabbed a bunch of fucking rebounds. So if that's something that you're interested in and you're going to start seeing a trend here, I'm doing some big men at the front end of this because this is the sort of archaic thing that we don't see in the NBA anymore. I love one of my favorite plays in basketball is just the world's slowest post move. I think that's so cool. It's a relic of a former, uh, uh, you know, of like a past uh, uh, culture and, you you don't see it in the NBA so much the world's slowest post move but you do see it in college basketball. You see the
0: kick out the repost twenty seconds. Is oh expiring. yeah,
2: yeah the uh, the Jackie Moon thing. Yeah,
0: yeah it's insane. Absolutely. The J- jackets. Like, yep, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's, it's fascinating. fascinating. So enjoy that.
2: Yeah, enjoy that. And third, another big man, Drew Timmy, six foot ten center for Gonzaga, recently mm. became the Gonzaga all time leading scorer. He's got incredible footwork, an incredible mustache, and incredible hair hiding behind uh, a headband. He's going to do some post-spin moves that are going to make you want to drink a bush light.
0: Are we sure he's not 37 years old?
2: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, he might be. Catch a Drew Timmy game if you want to watch this, uh, what the podcast is officially declaring as this tournament's uh, great white. And enjoy it. And Um, fade Gonzaga
0: in your brackets, folks. What's that? Go ahead and fade Gonzaga in your brackets. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah um so that so we just went over some big men um seven four six ten six nine uh so I want to provide two uh I want to offer two guys here who are the size of normal humans uh so first we have max Asmus, point guard for the oral roberts golden eagles Mm
0: -hmm. talk to me about oral roberts because I do have duke in a couple parlays but oral roberts was a popular sleeper so so yeah, yeah I'm excited
2: yeah I go, make sure you watch, if you're listening, make sure you go watch that 12-5 matchup between Duke and Duke. This is, this is a, of potential uh, upsets. This is my, this is, even if they don't win, I'm not saying they're the most likely to win. This is going to be the funnest game. Sure. Uh, Max a. Smith is a bucket getter. He's six foot tall, so he's small. He doesn't really have any sort of NBA career ahead of him, but he, get this, he shoots 38% from three which is a good percentage on 10 attempts a game. So uh, not a lot of guys in college basketball shooting 10 threes a game. And then he's shooting it at a high percentage. Uh, That's a lot. Interestingly, also as a sophomore, two years ago, he helped lead the 15 seed oral Roberts Uh to upsets over Ohio Mm. state and Florida, the two and seven seed uh, respectively in route to a sweet Uh. 16, uh, performance before ultimately falling to the Arkansas Razorbacks. You know, in
0: the, oh in my his God. Games
2: as a sophomore, he scored 29, 26, and 25 respectively.
0: And Duke's hot coming into the tournament. So something's yeah. got to give. That'll something's got to
2: give. And that's the thing is, when I saw that they were playing Duke, I was like, darn, Duke's playing really well right now. Uh, but that doesn't always doesn't always translate.
0: Do you have any uh, other players on your list of, of pleas to yeah, our uh, fantasy audience?
2: Okay, one last guy. Uh, sorry to hold you hostage, but we're going the exact opposite of Max Acemmes and we're going with the St. Mary's Gales Logan Johnson. He's a 6'2" guard and defensive player of the year in the WCC. That's the okay. Western that's the West Coast Conference. Um so if you like yourself like uh, you know, an eighties nineties defensive minded NBA point guard, maybe not a great three point shooter. Maybe not a guy who's going to score a ton, but he's going to facilitate. He's going to play really tough defense. He's going to get two and a half steals a game and he's going to get his points at the bucket. This is a guy you want to watch. Uh, I He's going to absolutely get in the grill of the, the opposing team's best, best offensive player and have a pretty good chance of shutting them down. And in fact, uh, St. Mary's has a top five defense in the entire country. So, if you like a defensive game, which I love personally, I mean, I don't want it for every single game, but I love to see a stout defense, you know, operating at a high level. Go watch uh, St. Mary's take on uh, the VCU Rams in the five twelve matchup there, or I think it's a six eleven matchup, maybe. Five yeah. twelve. It is five twelve. Okay, go go watch that game, um, and then maybe you'll get another opportunity to watch them uh, play. I believe UConn.
0: Hey, quick pick: UConn versus St. Mary's. Who are you taking most often? I mean,
2: that's really tough. Um, Unless their
0: gut instinct. Uh, my gut. There you Let's go. Gales. Gotcha. I I don't equate the St. Mary's Gales with stout defense. Is that a un- unique to their team this year? I always thought there was more of a scoring kind of up and down. To, you know.
2: No, they're they. So what St. Mary's is really good at is controlling pace and they're a slow mm. team, no team. Right. Um, and that's why they they split with Gonzaga this year in the regular season is when those two teams play They're they're a, they're absolutely contrasting, uh, uh, you know, aesthetics as far as 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 play style goes. Gonzaga is up and down, up and down, up and down. One of the fastest paces in the country. And, and thus, I think they're the, the top scoring team in the country. Um, and St. Mary's, even if they're not always excellent defensively, they play at a slow pace and they try to, they operate in, in the half court. Um, and they have a really, really good defense this year. Um, and so if you like a game that gets slowed down a little bit last year, St. Mary's, uh, you know, beat the Indiana Hoosiers in the first round by about 20 points because they just controlled the pace so well. Um, I have, so if they're able to do that, they, they have a co WCC player of the year with drew Timmy. So that's saying something. And yeah. they have the defensive player of the year. I think they could make a legit sweet 16 run.
0: Speaking of the Indiana Hoosiers uh, the, the 12, four matchup against Kent state. That's one to keep an eye on. I know the line is spotting Kent state four points and I've gobbled that up I th- I, from everything I've, I've read and, and looked into, that's going to be a highly competitive game. And I think as a four Indiana is vulnerable to Kent state.
2: Yeah, I would agree. Um, one thing is Indiana; they swept Purdue this season, by the way, which is interesting. It's not saying much. Well, Purdue's a one seed. <laughs> uh, a thing is is Indiana has a really really strong front court, through back court, not as much. So that's something to, to consider in terms yep. of matchups. Is is their big men are are really really good. And that's why they are able to compete with Purdue is like they're one of just a couple teams who can really, you know, play Zach Eadie sort of one-on-one.
0: Right. Okay. Listen, Kaden, before we go, I'm going to put you on the spot, okay?
1: I
2: want you to give me
0: ranked in order, three, two, all the way to one, the three most likely winners of this tournament.
2: Oh, okay. Uh, you
0: can't think about it too much. I, okay, I want I'm, your I want your instincts. You're an instinct guy.
2: I'm an instinct guy. I'm in. Yeah. Okay. I'll tell you this: the the team that I have making the most Final Fours in the three brackets that I've made, and they they make it to the championship in two of them is is the Texas Longhorns. Okay. Um, they are so athletic, long, lengthy. They press. They just they put pressure on people. Um, number two. Um, I'm gonna mm, out with it, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, number two, I'm going to say the Houston Cougars,
0: okay. I I was waiting to see where they were,
2: yep. Um, and then
0: why is it finally their year? Uh,
2: they've had lots of really good teams, I know. Uh, the answer is Jairus Walker, okay um yeah uh and then and then um I'm gonna go with my final one just because I'm obligated because I am who I am and I go to school where I do I'm gonna say you um and I want to shout throw a quick plug really quick I think Matt Painter and I've thought about this before I ever came to Purdue before I was ever a fan is probably the best coach in the entire country at recruiting guys who are exceptional at being in the right place at the right time and making the right play.
0: Word. Okay, that's the only plug you get. I always thought he
2: looked kind of weird, but I
0: guess he's he does look kind of weird. <laughs> that's okay. Right. A lot of us. He doesn't, he
2: doesn't look as weird as Purdue Pete, who was recently yeah. named the second creepiest college mascot. So.
0: <laughs> okay. All right. Well, hey, I I, I want to get us out of here because. Uh, this is going to be a, a really fun editing project for me tonight. Um, I want to make sure that this is out for people to listen to tomorrow. So I will be slicing and dicing while drinking some more green tea. Um, so, Natron, you got any uh, burning questions or thoughts about the tournament coming
1: up? No, I'm excited. It's a good week to be a sports fan. And it was nice to get a little primer here with you t- uh, tonight. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I'm, sur- I'm going to be circling a few games at this point and kind of uh, checking out a few different matchups. So I appreciate all the insights.
2: Yeah, I had a lot of fun. Uh,
0: Quick shout out to North Carolina as a program for deciding that they would rather take the summer to think about how poorly they did than play the NIT. A lot of class class there. By the way,
2: this was something I meant to say. If it gets cut, that's fine. But uh, North Carolina is the first team since since expansion in the Mm -hmm. 80s. Since it was expanded to sixty-four teams, to preseason number one and not make the because the number one and not make the tournament exactly,
0: exactly. Well, we got a lot, we got a lot, gentlemen, um, on our hands, and it's all fun stuff. So for Natron Clean, for Caden Mildren, our college basketball expert today, and for Richard Bachelor, uh, Indian International Winemaker of the Year. Uh, this is Flying J, and everybody, please enjoy the tournament. Um, I got a lot of brackets to cram for Get those brackets in Don't let some rando embarrass you Uh, Try to dominate your opponent And uh, we will talk to you soon And be back with uh, with our regularly scheduled Fantasy Basketball Cup Peace